jumper's moving. It's going, okay. Well, good morning. Um, just as a little heads up, you got your handouts this morning. That top page with team, PNG contact info, and the little quarter size sheet, we're gonna talk about those at the very end, so don't lose them, but we won't talk about that right away. We'll start with your outline. Okay. Um, well, I know we've already prayed, but I just need to pray. So would you pray with me again, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you for who you are. I praise you that you are holy, you are perfect, you are without sin, you have all power, all wisdom, all knowledge. You're worthy of all worship and all praise for all eternity. And yet, you would have mercy on those who left to ourselves would only hate you. Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to be the satisfaction for your wrath against me, against my sin, against all of our sin, all the sin of everyone who will ever put their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. Lord, we need you badly. We certainly needed you to be born again. And we need you each day to sustain us in the faith. Thank you that you are faithful and that you promise to do that. Thank you for your word and its power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I plead with you now to do what only you can do in my heart and in the hearts of all who hear. To draw us closer to you. To make us more like Christ. To grow us in our intimacy with you through prayer and as we do that Lord to grow our love for one another our usefulness in your kingdom in Jesus name amen all right well go ahead and turn your binder over uh, we like to begin our time together by reminding ourselves of why we're here so our wellspring purpose is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts for Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live out gospel-transformed lives, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. And we do that with three disciplines. We start with the heart. We've talked about that a lot already this year, and we're going to talk about it a lot more, because we never move on from this discipline. It's the foundation, and it's the fuel for everything else in life, especially the next two disciplines. The second discipline is the home. It's ministering to those in our household with our heart for God and the gospel. <clears throat> and then we have discipline three, which is ministry, in which we step into the lives of others um, in our church and beyond our church to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. And since our lesson today is on prayer, I thought it might be helpful as we review our disciplines to look at a couple verses that show prayer's role in these disciplines. So go ahead and open up your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now Samuel was a prophet in Israel, and he was a good prophet. Um, I encourage you to come back and read the context if it's not familiar to you. But in chapter 12 here, he's talking to the people of Israel, the people whom God has given him to shepherd. They're like his spiritual children. And he says in verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against God 
by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Samuel understood how important it was to draw near to God in prayer on behalf of his flock, the people that God had entrusted to his care. It would be sin against God for him to not pray for them. And by praying for them, he knows that he'll be ready to instruct them in the good and right way, the way of fearing the Lord and serving him in truth with all their heart as they consider the great things God has done for them. What an example for us. An essential part of Discipline 1 is prayer. Prayerfully shepherding our heart toward God through the word of God and praying for those in our lives so that we are equipped and we are ready to instruct in the good and right way, just like Samuel did. To urge our children and everyone else in our lives to consider the great things God has done for them and then to respond to that by fearing him and serving him with all of their hearts. And we have the platform to do that and to say that as we ourselves are women who are prayerfully shepherding our own hearts to do the same thing. So that's just our quick review of the disciplines. And now, before we head into our lesson, I just want to give you a quick little bird's eye view of where we've come in Wellspring so far. We started with our church vision and purpose, Scott Maxwell taught us, and we saw where Wellspring fits within that. And then since then, we've been zooming in and talking in a lot more detail about what it actually means when we talk about Discipline 1. What is that? We had a whole lesson about God's transformation of man. And what does it mean to shepherd our hearts? And why must we shepherd our hearts? We looked at the condition that we're in, in a mixed condition in which we must shepherd our hearts with God's word. And then we zoomed in on the heart. Suzanne helped us trace from Old Testament to New Testament what God's word has to say about our heart. And once again, we saw the inescapable conclusion that we must shepherd our hearts with God's word. And then again, last time you met, Suzanne talked more about how we shepherd our hearts. So today, as I already mentioned, we're going to turn to another essential component of shepherding our heart with God's word, and that's prayer. Proverbs 15.8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. By God's grace, Believers are counted as upright because they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and there is fruit of that righteousness in our lives. We are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the prayer of that one delights God. Isn't that amazing that our prayers can delight God? And yet sadly, prayer can be way too easy to neglect. 
It is possible to even to be a woman who reads your Bible regularly, who talks about God and his word, and maybe has a lot of outward appearances of maturity, but still not have a regular prayer life. Now, how do family members or true friends demonstrate their love for one another, their care, their interest in one another, if they don't talk to each other? You know, unity and closeness requires communication. And so today's lesson is primarily about talking to God in prayer. Now, God talks to us through his word. That's why we talk so much about meeting with God in his word. The Bible is where he's revealed himself to us. But we talk to him in prayer. So we'll begin with looking at some examples from Jesus' prayer life and his teaching. And then we'll look at using God's word in our prayers. And then finally, we'll go over some tools that might be helpful in that booklet you received. So we're going to start with Luke 5.15. And you'll see that this verse is in your notes. You're welcome to turn to it in your Bible if you prefer. Um, but we're going to look at Jesus and his prayer life here. And we're going to see that our Savior, our Master, the sinless one, fully God, fully man, lived in intimate prayerful dependence and communion with his Father, with our Father. And if that is what Jesus needed, then how much more do we? So Luke 5.15, our context in Luke 5 is that Jesus had been healing people. And in verse 15 says, the news about him was spreading even farther. And large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But... Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So Jesus is popular. He is needed. And what does he do? He slips away. And he slips away often to pray. To pray. It was the habit of his life. He left the needs, the busyness, for a time so he could be with his father in prayer. Now, how about us? Isn't it tempting when we're busy, busy with good things even, we're busy serving and we're working and we're shepherding to think, boy, I just wish I had time to pray. Now, notice Jesus didn't quit his teaching. He didn't quit his service. But still, he would often slip away to the wilderness. That's where he found he could be alone with his father. Now, it's interesting. Most of us do slip away. Right? We slip away from the demands of life, we exercise, we shop, we meet up with friends, we grab a cup of coffee, check a catch-up on Facebook, maybe. And, and all of it, so all of us have some time to slip away, and those things are not bad to do. But think about the joy, the joy of slipping away to meet with our Heavenly Father, to be with Him, to express our love for Him, our need for Him. So slipping away to the wilderness might not be realistic for all of us. Um, but we're all commanded in Colossians 4.2 to devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So what about finding alone time with the Lord before others are awake? Maybe that would be helpful for you. Or when little ones are napping. I have a friend who slips away by driving to work early and sitting in her car to pray before she goes in to start work. We might need to slip away from our phone. 
make use of airplane mode. I started doing that recently. That is super helpful. Um, airplane mode, man, this is great. Shuts everything down. I can just use it for what I'm there for. We might need to teach our children to stay in bed a little later or teach them to play on their own for a while so we can meet with Jesus. You know, many times the distractions are where? <laughs> right in our own thoughts, right? It can really help to have a notepad, jot down that thought, and get right back to the Lord and <coughs> ask him, Lord, help me, help me right now to push away every thought but my need for you, right here with you in your word. Whatever we need to do to slip away, to be alone with the Lord, to devote ourselves to prayer, to be alert, to be thankful in it, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth fighting for. We're entering into the throne room of heaven where Jesus is with his Father, where he wants us and even commands us to make our needs known. So let's ask ourselves, these are the questions on your outline. How can I slip away often to pray? D.A. Carson writes, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. So do you have a plan? Do you have a good place? A good time? Are there distractions you need to remove? Are you keeping alert in it? Maybe it would be helpful for you to pray out loud. Get on your knees or stand up to help you keep alert and thankful as you devote yourself to prayer. So these questions are here to help us evaluate, help us grow, to help strengthen our prayer life. And if this is going well for you already, then praise God. Persevere and think about how you can encourage others to press on, to slip away often to pray, to devote themselves to prayer. Now, let's read that verse that we have in Luke 6. We're going to start in verse 11. And Luke writes, But they themselves, he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees, they were filled with rage, and they discussed together what they might do to Jesus. It was at this time, when they were figuring out what to do to Jesus, that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he named as apostles. So here we find Jesus between the rage of the Pharisees and right before he went and called his apostles. This is an intense time for Jesus. And what does he do? He heads off to the mountain and spends the whole night in prayer. Now, how might we respond if people were enraged with us and plotting to do us harm. Maybe you've been in that position. Would you be tempted to fear, anger, run away, hide, fight back? Jesus responded by spending the whole night with his father in prayer. And then he went on about the work he'd been sent to do. So how much? might our responses change if we retreated to our Father in prayer first? Instead of stewing about it, venting about it, feeling sorry for ourselves, what if we got alone with the Lord first and stayed there till we were ready to move forward in obedience? Hebrews 4.15 says, 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In drawing near to the Lord, we find grace and mercy to forgive, to love our enemies, to turn away from our own sinful responses, and to persevere in obedience to the Lord. So let's ask ourselves, what do I need to be bringing before the Lord in prayer so that I'm strengthened to continue in humble, trusting service to the Lord? I know that some of you live with real difficulties and that many of you are already imitating Jesus in this way by taking your troubles to him and continuing to obey him. So let me encourage you, press on. Your example spurs me on. Your example spurs on the body of Christ when you imitate Jesus in this way. Well, let's move along now to Luke chapter 10. Now, in this chapter, Jesus had appointed 70 men to go out and proclaim the gospel. In verse 17... The 70 returns with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then just a few verses later, in verse 21, Luke writes, At that very time, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus praises God by describing who he is. And then he continues by describing what he has done that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Jesus acknowledged immediately that this work was all of God, and he rejoiced. He praised God. Now, in chapter 6, we saw that Jesus prayed in the midst of trials, and here Jesus prayed in the midst of success. And so how can Jesus' example grow our prayer life? Well, let's ask, do I rejoice before the Lord? Do I praise him? Do I remember who he is and what he has done? And then let's ask, is this what I do when things are going well? Do I give God all the credit and glory? Do I praise him for how he reveals himself through times of fruitful service? Is God the one I want to celebrate? Again, these are questions to help us evaluate, to see where we can grow, and to get to know God even better through prayer. Well, now let's look at Luke 11. This is when Jesus gave a short version of what we often call the Lord's Prayer, or we could more accurately call it the Disciples' Prayer. And in it, he teaches the disciples how to pray. Verse 1 says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus begins with teaching them to focus their prayers on God himself, setting God in his rightful place. He is their Father. He is the one they worship. He is their king. 
And then once they've started worship, started with worshiping God, then Jesus teaches them to humbly seek God for their needs. Verse 3 says, give us each day our daily bread. They're to ask God for needs to be met. Daily needs. And daily needs need daily prayer. And do you see the plural pronoun our? Give us each day our daily bread. This is not a self-centered prayer. This is a prayer with a view to the needs of those around us, our family, our church. Verse 4 says, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. See, even as Jesus is teaching them to deal with sin in prayer, confessing their sin, forgiving others, seeking God's help for their weaknesses so they don't fall into sin's temptation, he's teaching them to pray for each other. Think about what that does for us on a heart level when we pray not only, please forgive my sin, but also, please forgive my brother's sin, my sister's sin, my elder's sin, my children's sin, my husband's sin. I don't know if you have to struggle, but I can feel offended when I'm sinned against. Now that's a sinful response on my part, but sometimes I'm tempted to sin in that way. But as soon as I pray, forgive us, both me and the person who's sinning against me, there's a whole lot of my pride that just comes tumbling down. It reminds me that we are both sinners. If the other person is a believer, they're in a mixed condition. They still struggle with sin just like I do. Maybe different sin, but we both struggle. And praying for us to be forgiven, for us to forgive, for us to be protected from temptation reminds me that I need God's mercy every bit as much as they do. So looking at Luke 11, let's ask ourselves, is worship central in my prayers? Do I seek him for daily needs, my needs as well as the needs of others? And do I pray about sin for both myself and others? Do I seek forgiveness? Do I forgive? Do I seek help against temptation? If not, why? What is your heart attitude that's keeping you from these things? Could it be a lack of dependence on the Lord? Pride? self-reliance now we have only four we've only looked at four passages but if we continue to look at Jesus example in prayer and Jesus teaching on prayer and the many other examples and teaching on prayer in God's word it would absolutely blow away any notion that prayer is not important that it doesn't matter prayer matters to Jesus he prayed alone, he prayed with others, he rejoiced in prayer, he agonized in prayer, he thanked God, he submitted himself to God in prayer, he prayed for others, he prayed for himself, and he still prays for us. Romans 8.34 says, who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus' life is 
saturated with prayer, even as a sinless son of God. Did you ever wonder why? Well, here's why. His prayer life is a reflection of his love for God and his closeness to God. Jesus was praying about everything all the time. So what an encouragement for us to press on to know and love and obey God more and to love others and for that to be fed and nourished and expressed through a vibrant prayer life of our own. And as we've looked at these verses, we've asked ourselves a lot of questions. And so you'll want to come back and um, think about those, pray about those some more on your own, and you'll find them to be helpful with your homework as well. So prayer is certainly a command, but it's also a profound privilege. So we've looked at Jesus, we've looked at his prayer life, we've seen the need to slip away and pray, we've seen the need to pray in trials and successes, we've seen that prayer includes worship and thanks, confession, intercession, that means making requests, asking for needs to be met. We've seen that prayer is something we do for ourselves and for others. But how do we know what to pray? Well, 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have brought asked from him. So we need to pray according to God's will. And we find God's will in God's word. So we need to learn how to use God's word, the Bible, to help us pray. Now D.A. Carson says that using scripture to inform our prayers is how we learn what our Heavenly Father wants and what he expects us to ask for. Now that doesn't mean that we can't just talk to God, that's what prayer is. But including God's word in our prayers helps us pray according to his will. It teaches us to pray what's true. Praying scripture isn't something that's only reserved for elders or people who've known the Lord a really long time. It's God's means to teach all of his children to pray. So let's look at some examples. Turn to Psalm 139. You've got this in your outline. You don't have Psalm 139 in your outline, but hopefully you found where we're talking about it in your outline. Okay. We're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll look at some examples of how we might use that in prayer. So we'll read verses 1 through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. So now we're going to focus in just on verse 1 and how that verse can help us pray. So David wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So we could start, perhaps, with confessing or agreeing with God about the truth of the verse. That's what confess means. It means to agree. We could pray, God, your word says that you have searched and known David, and you have also searched and known me. 
taking what's in the verse and agreeing with God about it. Now, when I go before God and say, you have searched me and known me, a lot of times what's going to happen is all of a sudden I'm going to become aware of sin. That's going to bring sin to light that now I need to confess. God in his kindness searches us with his word, and his word is able to discern those thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so when that happens, we'll need to agree with God about that sin, confess it, and repent of it. So we might use God's word to, to springboard us into repenting of sin. We might pray something like, Lord, you have searched and known me, and you know my complaining attitude or my discontentment my anxiety, or my fear, or my pride, or my selfishness, whatever we need to confess. Lord, I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross so that I can be forgiven and walk in newness of life. I'm not a slave to complaining or whatever I'm confessing. Instead of complaining, I offer my mind to you as an instrument of righteousness. When I'm tempted to complain today, Lord, help me to quickly repent and turn to thoughts of thanks to you for your perfect knowledge of me and I will trust that you are working out my circumstances for your glory and my good now that's just an example of how that one little verse might lead us right into a prayer of confession it goes beyond what's in verse 1 but verse 1 is what got us started another way that we might use a simple little verse like verse 1 is to praise God we might say, your ability to search and know me is amazing. No one else can search and know me the way you do. The point is not a particular set of words. We all, we'll all say this differently, but it's using God's word to help us praise him. A prayer of thanks could go like this. Thank you for searching and knowing me. Thank you for revealing the truth in your words so that I can consider and remember the greatness of your knowledge. I mean, he knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> Praise him for that. Now, that's not what might typically pop into my head off, right off the top when I think about thanking God. Now, do you have your list? Okay, Lord, thank you for my husband, for my kid. You know, you kind of have your list of things I thank God for. But starting with God's word, wow, I just thank God for the greatness of his knowledge. His word helps me thank him better. Um... When we do that, it can really help fight um, maybe a sense of lethargy in prayer. You feel just kind of like, okay, here I am again, <laughs> saying the same old thing I said yesterday. This can um, just give uh, a freshness to that time we have with the Lord in prayer. So let's do one more. How about pleading with God from the truth of this verse, praying for ourselves and for others? We might pray for our, I might pray for myself, God, help me to believe that you have actually searched and known me the way David believed this. Make me understand how thoroughly you have searched and known me. Or maybe praying for a family member or someone in my small group, a missionary. I might pray, God, may the truth that you are a God who searches and knows your people bring comfort and inspire holiness in my friend's life. For an unsafe friend, we might pray, Lord, help my unsafe friend realize that you have searched her 
and that you are displeased by the sin you have found in her, causing you to turn to Jesus for salvation from your displeasure. So those are some examples of what we mean when we talk about using God's word to help us pray. So now to really start using scripture in our prayers, we need to practice so that all of us have a chance to get a little more comfortable with this. So we are going to do that right now. Um, we're going to use the psalm. Well, did you guys have Psalm 23 in your homework? Okay. Well, we're going to use Psalm 23 um, to help us practice this. So first we're going to read the psalm together, and then on our own, each of us will pick a verse um, to write out a prayer on your own. And that's on page 5 in your outline. Okay, we're each going to stick with just one verse, just like we did when we went through Psalm 139, verse 1, because it's helpful to see how even one verse can be a springboard to a rich time of prayer with the Lord in a lot of different kinds of prayer. Okay, so let's go ahead and read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you can go ahead, you can read it again if you like. Pick just one verse out of that psalm, and then select one of those six areas listed in your outline and write out a prayer using the verse that you selected. And if you finish with one kind of prayer, you can go ahead and uh, work on another one. You can go in any order. But just remember that you're praying. Even though we're all sitting here silently, go ahead and pray these words to the Lord as you're writing them. Lift them before him. So we'll take a few minutes to do that. And um, But if this is brand new to you, if you have any questions, you want a little help, just give me a wave. If there's a discussion group leader sitting near you or Chris or I, I'd be happy to help you out. So go ahead and give that a try. If anybody had a baby they wanted me to hold, I'd do that. <laughs> Okay. All right. We have looked at Jesus' prayer life, and we've looked at some questions we can use to evaluate and strengthen our own prayer life. And we have actually prayed. We prayed. We used God's word, and we went before the throne of God in heaven and took our hearts before him. And so now we are going to walk through this little book that you received this morning. This booklet is like a little toolbox. Everything, does everybody have one? It's exactly like last year's. If you got one last year's and you want to stick with that, you're welcome to do that. If you want a new one, you're welcome. We have plenty. Um, there's more out in the hall. You see somebody else's cover, just a cover of her book, and when you start coveting it, you can just walk out for it. <laughs> <laughs> or you can shepherd your heart away from coveting. And I didn't know that, and then I changed it out, and I thought, oh, I don't care. She didn't care, so I don't care. 
Well, so you can see my book, it's, it's hard, once you start using it, it can be hard to switch. I've got my reading plan here, and I've got oh, sticky notes with, you know, you come home from church on Sunday morning, you're like, oh wait, how many weeks did I just hear? I don't want to forget to pray for those. I go in my book, you know, verses that I, you know, want to write down, my, what, my small group homework, all the things that I need to pay attention to. It's all right there. So we're going to look at these books. It's a toolbox, like any toolbox. Now, I will just tell you that I've observed this. This is not my personal experience, but I think that when people have toolboxes, they don't necessarily get out and use every tool all at the same time. I think they look in there and they find the tool they need and they use it. That seems to be the pattern. Okay, I'm sorry. I just don't really, if I said it personally, I would be misrepresenting myself because I don't do a whole lot with toolbox. <laughs> anyway, so it's a toolbox. And, and so all that to say, it's here as a resource. It's here to help you shepherd your heart, to help spur you on in your prayer life, to help you care for others, maybe help you care for others. And there's going to be different things that are useful to you at different times. So I want to go through and help you be familiar with it so you can use it or encourage others with it in whatever way is helpful, at the right time in the right way. Um, so don't feel like, you know, all the Godly Women of Grace Bible Church with these pages every day. <laughs> okay? This is not going to become like, you know, some click thing or whatever. You know, it's not like all the girls who show up at small group with their booklets or their really spiritual ones. <laughs> you know, they're probably the ones who didn't pray all week and kind of... <laughs> we are not going to judge each other over this. That's what I'm saying. Okay? So just use it however helps you. I just want to give that disclaimer right up front. Because I, I just... You know, I probably, it's just my rebellious heart. I'm sitting there and someone's telling me how awesome something is. In my heart, I can start thinking, well, I've been doing just fine all these years without it. So why do you all of a sudden think I need this new gizmo? You know, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you're doing great. But it's here. It's a tool. I want to introduce you to it, and then you can use it in whatever way helps you. You just got a whole lot more glimpse into the sinful heart of Sarah. <laughs> okay. All right. There will be a PDF of it on the website that you can put on your phone if you find it more helpful to have it right there where you can pull it up that way as long as that doesn't become a distraction for you. I would be distracted by the word of God. That would be a good thing, right? Okay. Okay. So where the world that wasn't probably written in your notes. That was awesome. Okay. So go ahead and open your booklet. On page two, we have the table. You know, page one is the table of contents, and then page two is letting God's truth help us pray. And there are examples. And so there's several pages here that are just um, like what we went through together, what we practiced together, and. Sometimes when we do something for the first time, we do it and we go, that's not so bad. I could do that. And then we get home and we open up our Bible and we go blank. How in the world did that work again? So here's some examples. And if this is new to you and it's helpful to look at how somebody else has taken God's word and turned it into a different particular kind of prayer, then, then look at these and, and use them to help teach you how to use God's word to pray. They're just there to encourage us. You could encourage someone else with it maybe. Um, and then you get to these pages on page 7 and 8, and they say some focal points in our heart shepherding prayer. Oh, wait, no, I skipped a page, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Page 6. Page 6 is preparing to meet with God in his word. Now, opening up our Bible and drawing near to God in prayer may not always be what we want 
to do in the moment in our flesh. We may not feel like doing it. In that moment, there might be a lot of other things that seem way more important, way more urgent, way more pressing, way more desirable. Maybe it's sleep. (laughs) Maybe it's rest. Maybe it's getting things done. I've got this big long list of things to do and I need to get going with it. And so this is a list of verses that can help settle our hearts, that can help warm our hearts to drawing near to God in his word and prayer. They remind us of why we're doing that. You know, when it's cold outside, the nights are getting colder now, aren't they? And pretty soon people can get their fire pits out. I think some people are doing it already. I smelled smoke last night. I thought, it's a little warm yet. (laughs) I need to drop off a few more degrees. And then outside and there'll be a fire over there and we're outside and we're cold and we think oh that fire looks really good we go over the fire and why do we go the fire they get warm that's right it's warm not because we were warm already we weren't warm off over there away from the fire and in the same way we open up our bible there can be times we're not warm to begin with but we open up our bible and it warms us It warms our heart. It reminds us of why we're there and why we need to be there and how much we want to be there. I just couldn't remember a minute ago. My head was on the floor. (laughs) And so this is a list of verses that you can use just to get your heart, prime your heart, prime the pump, start warming up your heart, reminding yourself why you're coming. Right there in the middle of the page, Psalm 119.18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I need to remember God is a God who will answer that prayer. He wants to open my eyes, and he wants to show me wonderful things. Wonderful things in his word. This is th- These verses are just a, a start. You could use your Wellspring songbook. You could make use of this chart. This is just full of wonderful gospel truths that warm our hearts as we draw near to God. You might want to use a book of prayers like Valley of Vision, the Gospel Primer. There's lots of wonderful resources, but really helpful to take that time to get our heart warmed up. Okay, now we're on this next page, page 7 and 8, where we see some focal points for heart shepherding prayer. And we saw a lot of these when we looked at Jesus' example and his teaching in Luke. Um, And these lists are here because it can be helpful to look over these categories from time to time and we might see an area of prayer where we'd like to grow, where we need to grow, um, where it might be helpful to look at some scripture to help teach us how to pray more effectively in that area. And we'll talk more about how we might incorporate this um, as we look at the next section. Um, But first, let's just make sure we understand what's meant by each of these facets. So first, we have praising God. And we practice that, right, with Psalm 139. This is about worshiping God for who he is. And the only place where we get a true understanding of who he is is in his word. Um, So using God's word helps us to worship him in spirit and in truth because we're using the truth of his word. And these are some references that can help us do this. And this is just getting us started. As you read, do your Bible reading, you're going to find lots and lots of verses that you can use to praise God. You might want to add them here or on the next page where there's some blank space. Okay, another focal point for heart shepherding prayer is battling sin. Um, 
Romans 8.13 says, If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Very active. You are putting to death the deeds of the body. You will live. And rehearsing truth about sin in prayer is a powerful tool to help us put to death the deeds of the body. So we have many references here to help us pray. Um, First, you see... uh, Verses about sin's offensiveness to God. We need to remember that our sin angers and grieves our Savior. And then there's also verses about sin's power to entangle us. Now remember what the gospel has done. The believer has been set free from slavery to sin. Praise God for that. But sin can still entangle. We can be tripped up by it and overwhelmed by it. That's our mixed conditions. Very different than what we were before, right? Where it just ruled us and we didn't care. But this present condition is one in which we must not forget that sin still is powerful to entangle us. Next, you see there are verses about sin's danger. Sin is dangerous. Jesus said it's better to radically amputate sin than to go to hell. Sin is not a toy to play with. It's not just a mistake. Sin can kill us. Apart from Jesus, we would perish in hell forever because of it. So agreeing with God about sin's danger helps strengthen us in this battle for holiness. Um, Next, we see verses um, that remind us that my sin is deceptive to me. Sin deceives us like this. You know, we, we tend to think, well, it's not that bad. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in control of this. I'm on this. I'm not going to let it entangle me. It doesn't hurt anybody. So sin easily deceives us about the seriousness of our sin. So if we don't fight to have Scripture's view of our sin, we will easily be taken in by sin's deception and be unconcerned about sin's nearness to us. We'll be vulnerable to sin's entanglement. Sin will become tolerable to us even desirable to us. Before we know it, we become weaker and weaker toward our sin. We easily become protective of our sin and even justify our sin. You know, if we do nothing, our view of sin only grows cloudy. just grows dim. So there's a huge protection against sin and strength for battling sin in agreeing with God about the nature of sin on a regular basis, maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, um, reviewing what is true about sin from his word or looking for it when you're reading and just agreeing with him in prayer about that. Um, There are some more verses here that just talk about sin in general, and then you have a section that says repenting of sin, and those verses help us identify sin. They help instruct us in confession and repentance, and they help us identify not only what we need to turn away from, but also what it is uh, that change would look like. Um, And then any time we're dealing with sin, we need to keep the gospel close at hand. And so you see verses there for rehearsing the gospel. Now, why would we want to do that? Why do we preach the gospel to ourselves? We preach the gospel to ourselves because it's God's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ that has made us acceptable in his sight. It's the power of God for us who are being saved. 
rehearsing the gospel over and over allows us to prayerfully communicate to God that we love his work in our life through Jesus, that we're earnest to grasp and understand more completely his love that's expressed in the gospel. And if we stagger today under our weight of sin, maybe we're discouraged, the gospel will lift us up. It reminds us of our hope. And if we're in a moment of, of fruitfulness, you know, things are going well, then rehearsing the gospel will lead us to humbly acknowledge that all the credit goes to God. In both instances, our thoughts and our hearts are drawn near to Jesus. So there are verses here, and again, this Transformation of Man um, pamphlet is just full of verses that can help us preach the gospel to our own hearts. It can help us rehearse the gospel in prayer. Um, and then next you see thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a command. It's commanded over and over again in scripture. Um, it can be so easy to skip, to neglect, to get in a hurry. But it's commanded. And it offers protection. Protection against anxiety, discontentment, complaining. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, but means instead, in contrast with being anxious, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a mighty promise, is it not? And it leads, links thanksgiving with our prayers as we battle anxiety. So those, these are some verses here, again, just to start, that can help us cultivate prayerful thanksgiving. And then finally, we have praying for myself and others. This is where we lay needs and burdens before the Lord and express our reliance on him. Somebody, one of you lovely ladies sent me a quote this week I want to share with you. Charles Spurgeon said, intercession is an honorable service. It's an ennobling thing that a sinner like yourself should be allowed to entreat the king for others. Think about that. That is what we're doing in prayer. We're allowed to entreat the king of kings for one another. That's amazing. And so these are some verses that help give us some direction on how to pray, how to entreat the king, um, how to pray according to God's will. Now, on the next page, there's some space there to record additional verses that you might find in your reading that you would want to use. Um, and then before we move on, I want to take a minute to talk about how do we stay on top of all the things we want to be praying for as we talk about praying for others. Um, you know, we certainly can and should pray for people as they come to mind throughout our day. I had heard one mom say um, that she she's fully close. She prays for that child as she folds his clothes. Isn't that just precious? Mm -hmm. um, and 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray continually. And um, that, that's what that is. That's the kind of prayer that happens as we go about our day. Maybe we're taking a walk or we're washing dishes, we're driving. Um, and it's just a precious way to redeem those moments we have throughout our days to draw near to God and to care for one another in just an unseen way. But it's also very helpful to have a plan, to have something that helps us be systematic to be faithful in praying for those needs of those around us. Now, I will admit, again, 
full disclosure, there are times when I've taken down prayer requests, you know, right small group, everybody's writing down those prayer requests, and they've taken down those prayer requests, and that paper gets tucked in the back of the something, the bag or the purse or wherever, and it never surfaces, and I show up at small group next time and think, and pray for these friends, these sisters, these people I love so much. And so having a plan can just help us to be faithful. So I want to share a few ideas. Maybe you already have something that works really well with you and you want to share that when you get to discussion group. Um, but one way would be to think of the different kinds of people that you want to pray for, your small group or the families in Papua New Guinea perhaps, your elders, the people you work with. Um, and then just assign a day of the week to each group. And on Mondays, you always pray for the people in your small group, for example. And the um, prayer book has something like that organized that way. And then you could have a, a separate list that you pray for daily, more immediate needs. Maybe it's that sticky note you make when you get home from church on Sunday or your own family. Um, so that would be one way to organize it. You could use index cards. You could put it in a journal. You could put it on a calendar. Um, Kate recently showed me a cool prayer app that she's using to organize and, and be systematic about being faithful in her prayer. So there's lots of tools out there. If you need help figuring out what's going to work for you, talk to your discussion leader, talk to Lori or me. Um, we'd love to help you get something figured out. Um, okay, and then another way, and this is uh, shared with me by a girl in my small group, Rather than praying for groups of people, you know, all the people in my small group on Monday maybe, all the people in Papua New Guinea on Tuesday or however you want to do it, she takes all those people and she makes, she lists them out by name and then she alphabetizes them. So they're all mixed up. They're not just all one group of people. And then she decides how many people she can pray for meaningfully each day. Maybe she decides, you know what, I have time. I can pray meaningfully for five people each day. So she takes the first five people on the list, and she prays for each of them by name. And she said that that has really helped her to pray more specifically. She's not mm -hmm. just praying, Lord, help all the girls in my small group spend time in the Word this week. Lord, please help my elders have wisdom. Those are great prayers. Please pray those. But instead, she sees a name, and she says, oh, I'm praying for Sarah. She's going to be out of town this week and our kids are home by themselves. I'm going to pray for them. Whatever the need is, whatever she knows about that individual person. Um, so that's just another way to do it. And then she takes five more the next day and five more the next day. And however many days it takes her to get through it, it allows her to pray really meaningful, meaningfully for each individual. So that's just another suggestion um, that, again, might just invigorate your, your prayers for one another. Okay, the point again is not how we do it, but just how can we cultivate faithfulness, drawing near to the throne of grace on behalf of one another. So let's keep looking at our booklet. Um, what you have beginning on page 11 um, is a two-page spread for each day of the week. And then there's verses printed out um, to help us pray. So if I were going to use what's here, then on Sunday, I'd turn to my Sunday page, and I would use the verse that's printed here. I'd read it. I could pray through it. I could use that to get me started with expressing my own worship towards God and my desire for God and 
then I can go through and there's some prompts there to help us remember what do I want to be rehearsing when I am talking about prayer to God I want to remember that oh yeah my sin's offensive to God it's deceptive and so forth and again there's a verse there to help us think biblically about sin about confession and to get us prompted in our own time of dealing with our sin before the Lord in prayer there's a verse to help us rehearse the gospel to prompt us in our thanksgiving to prompt us in our prayer um, for things that are more daily prayer needs, like maybe our household and special needs. And then the last thing for each two's page spread is says praying weekly. And you'll see there's a different area of prayer for each of the seven days here. I'm looking at Sunday right now, and it has small group listed. Um, and of course, you can certainly adapt that. If the categories here are not the category you want to pray for, then use sticky notes. I should have those as, as a special Christmas gift. They're really the package of sticky notes. Um, anyway, and, and, and put what it is you're going to pray at that time, or put the names of the people in your small group. Make sure you don't skip anybody that's early and you're not as sharp as you might otherwise be or something. Okay. Um, if, if, again, it's a tool to use as you want. Using the whole thing might be really helpful to you. Or maybe you just realize, you know what, I... I really would like a prompt to help me um, in my time of Thanksgiving in my prayer. So I'm going to just make use of this little section for a while. And that's that's going to help me focus more on thankfulness. However you find it to be useful. Okay. Um, I think the next page is about Titus 2. Does that look right? That would be over on page 25 and 26. That's going to go with a lesson that we have coming up. You're free to look at that on your own before then. And then page 27, 28, 29, 30 also go with a lesson we'll have in a couple of weeks. Ann Angstead will be here to teach us that lesson. And uh, you've heard the gray and blue circles. That's your little sneak preview if you haven't heard that lesson yet. Okay. And then we turn to a page that says, what is repentance? Now, Tom Angstead, he's uh, one of our elders. He's a biblical counselor. And he encouraged us to include these pages, the two-page spread on what is repentance by J.C. Ryle. And he has found that a lot of times people get really discouraged in their repentance. Um, and in some cases, it's because they just don't have a good understanding of what repentance is. And this is a tool that can help with that. Um, it's something that, this is something that you're really going to take some time to chew on. If, if repentance is an area that you really are wanting to grow in, um, or you see a need, a weakness there, I would encourage you maybe just take one of these bullets a week even, and just review it, pray about it, chew on it, think about it, um, because these words are, are dense. Um, we won't read the whole thing together, but just to give you a taste, let's read the first one together. It says, repentance begins with the knowledge of sin. Sin is essentially our futile attempt to dethrone God for being our highest pursuit, our highest love, our highest joy, our highest delight. Sin is substituting primarily ourselves in God's place as our highest pursuit, love, joy, or delight. And that could be in our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our deeds, our desires, our relationships, or our emotions. Repentance begins with understanding this. 
doesn't just cut right to the heart. Sin is substituting myself in God's place as my highest pursuit. Ouch. But there's good things here to help us see our sin more clearly so we can apply the gospel to it. We can experience God's grace and mercy to repent and to grow and to change. So I encourage you again, there's a lot here to benefit from. Um, the next page then is uh, to help us prepare for temptation. Now remember when we look at Jesus' prayer life, he taught us, uh, he taught his disciples to pray that they would not fall into temptation. And so what we do to prepare for temptation is another significant part of our battle against sin. And we're not going to read all of this together, but it's really, again, worth coming back to on your own and familiarizing yourself with it. I find it helpful to turn to this page from time to time to remind myself that it's actually fairly basic to resist temptation. It really isn't complicated. <laughs> it's not always easy, <laughs> but it's not complicated. And it can be helpful just to remind myself of that. Like, oh yeah, there, there's a way I can be prepared to fight this better. And, and then that helps us to plan our escape when that temptation does come. And so now we're almost to the end. The last page then is a recovery plan. Um, so when we do sin, it's really important to remember that the most God-honoring response is to turn back to God in repentance. To receive what Christ has done for us on the cross and to walk in newness of life. And this recovery plan lays out what that could look like. Again, it doesn't have to look just like this, but there are some really helpful principles here that can help us turn away from wallowing in our sin and our guilt and getting our eyes back on Jesus. And then you have some blank pages there that you can use any way you like. To close, I want to share some lyrics from him. I grew up with, and I have these fond memories of my mom singing this. It's the only song I remember her playing the piano and singing to. Um, and maybe it's the only one she knew, but it's a really good one. So I hope it encourages you. Like, um, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. <clears throat> Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are God, that you are sovereign, and that you are good. And thank you that you sent your Son to bear your wrath against our sin, to purchase us for yourself, to bring us into a relationship with yourself, in which you would allow us, you would welcome us, you would command us to draw near you, to come.
come before your throne of grace to bring to you our worship. Lord, our worship is even so weak, so inadequate of what you deserve, but you allow us to bring it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you allow us to bring all of our cares before you. Thank you for this time together. I pray that, um, Lord, as we wrap up and we go to discussion group, that you would continue to use us in one another's lives to encourage and spur one another on. In Jesus' name. Okay, before we split up, I just want to explain our application. First of all, reminder of the homework, there is a question there that you will benefit more from if you start early, so take some time to read those questions this weekend so you can be thinking about it before uh, Friday night in a couple weeks. Um, and But then our way to apply what we're doing is with some PNG pair cards. Now, as part of your handouts today, you should have gotten a little slip like this stapled to a larger sheet that has addresses for all the families who are in Papua New Guinea. So, as you all know, we our church has sent three families to Papua New Guinea as missionaries, and in order for them to take the gospel to a very remote tribe, they need to have houses to live in, and those houses are not finished being built. The men in Papua New Guinea are going to go for uh, about three and a half weeks, uh, beginning the 1st of November. And so that means their families, their, each of their wives and each of their children, there are three women and nine children, um, will be on their own in Medang for that time. Um, and so our application here is to pray for them and to encourage them. Um, there are postcards out in the hall. I've already told you about them. You've maybe already picked some up. Um, and to each postcard, there's a tag with a name, um, the age of that person, if it's a child, and then a date. And the date has the day of the week. The day of the week is there if you're looking at this table full and you're thinking, I don't know which one to pick. And then you think, oh, wait, I better not pick Friday because I have to be gone early on Friday. I don't have as much time. I'll do it on Sunday afternoon, so I want Sunday cards or whatever. Um, but the commitment, for I, I hope you pick up lots of them. And I have more than what are out. There's over 300 cards because there's a card for every child and mom for every day from November 1st to November 26th. So this is a big commitment for the ladies in Wellspring. The ladies on Thursday are doing it as well. So for every card you pick, take this little tag, clip it to the cover of your Bible or your calendar or wherever it is that you will remember. Put a reminder in your phone to pray for that person in particular. I have Knox Lehman, age 3, on November 22nd. And all I have to think is, okay, here's a little three-year-old boy. This is his mom and his brother and his sister. And his dad's been gone for over three <coughs> weeks now. Well, first of all, I'm going to say, God bless his mother. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to say, Lord, would you help this little boy not to feel lonely and sad that his dad is gone? And will you help him to obey his mommy? And will you give him a good way to burn all that energy he has? It's a blessing to his mom and his brother and his sister. You know, you just have to think about who you're praying for for just a minute, even if you don't know them. And the Lord is going to help you know how to pray. You can pray God's word for them. You can ask me or Lori if you need more specific ideas. Um, you can check their blogs. Facebook pages will give you some ideas. Um, you can email the moms. You have the contact information. Um, their time for email is limited, so be gracious. You might not hear back from them. But you might, and so feel free. They love getting emails from us, so don't let that be a hindrance to you reaching out to them. They love to hear from you. So you get your card, and on that day, I'm going to pray for little Knox Lehman. 
and, the, and then you have a postcard. And I want you to write a postcard to whoever your card is. I'm going to write a postcard to Knox. And I, you can mail that anytime. That's a little different than your instructions. I had said wait and mail it when you pray. If we start mailing them now, they'll have them. Um, maybe when the, they'll start getting them sooner, which will just be a blessing for them. So it's a postcard. You can write on the, this side. You can write on this side. If you want to do this with your children, with your grandchildren, you can have them draw a picture, however you want to use this. And then the addresses are there on your contact sheet. Go ahead and address it. And you can mail it yourself. If you mail it yourself, you need $1.20 worth of U.S. postage. Any kind of stamps will do as long as they're U.S. postage. Um, or if, that's a, if, if you would rather bring it back to me, I'll make sure they get mailed. So that's entirely up to you. You can mail it yourself or you can bring it back to me. Um, and, and, that, oh, and then the last thing is on the day that you pray for them, if you could also send a Facebook message or an email to them, you can send it to the kids via the moms. Um, the kids get such a kick out of getting an email. Uh, Benaya Dodd's birthday was yesterday. He turned eight. And I sent him an email, and I've known Benaya since he was born, and we were in small group with Benaya. You remember Benaya? What question does Benaya always ask? How was your week? Yes. <laughs> how was your week? Benaya always asks, how was your week? Or sometimes, so now, now he's older, and he'll say, what's been the best part of your day so far? Yes, that's right. <laughs> said to me, highlighted my trip to there. I asked him, what, what's the last thing you want to do before I go home? He's saying, only one more day. What can I do with you? He goes, I want to have a long talk. <laughs> so I sent him a long email for his birthday, and he sent me a long email back. It was just so precious. So, you know, you might not hear back, but you might. And they just love hearing about our lives. One of the things they said that it's a, it's, they said, we don't want to be selfish, but we write these prayer letters, and we try to share what's going on with our kids, and, you know, what God's teaching us. And, and you know, we get a lot of responses that are like, hey, thanks, I'll be praying. It's awesome to get an update. But it's like, but what are you doing? <laughs> what are you learning from the word? And, you know, did your grandkid just learn how to walk? And your daughter had a baby? And, you know, whatever. Just share with them. I went to the beach for vacation last week with my friends. You know what? They've got a beach right outside their door. That's fine. You can tell them about your beach. Um, anyway, so that, that's a great thing. But the primary thing is pray for that person on that date and write a postcard. Um, How long does it take for the mail to uh, get there? It's about two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just would love for this to all happen. So please take a lot, um, but please follow through with everyone that you take. If you if something comes up and you can't, or they fall out of your bag when you get in the car, and they slide under the seat, and three weeks from now you pull them out and you go, <gasps> <laughs> Oh, no. Go ahead, and send anyway. go ahead and send them anyway, or bring them back to me. I would gladly do them. No one's going to judge anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can send, say we find a cute postcard in the store we'd like to send. It's fine. We don't have to send. Absolutely. In fact, any one-ounce postage, you know, regular card, letter, envelope kind of size thing is $1.20. So you can use this postcard. You can send your own card, letter, whatever you want to do. Um, and so, are there any questions about that? Okay. Um, hold on. One last little last word. Uh, 